Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. And now, may you be blessed as we give our attention to the reading of God's Word. Would you pray with me? Lord, here we are. We stand before you listening for the word you would speak to us, the word you wish us to hear from your text and from your voice today, and the word that you simply wish us to say, here I am too. Open our hearts and minds to understand your word and to be a people who go out and do it. It's in Christ's name we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, last week I told you a little bit about how I begun to sense a call into ministry through doing youth ministry in my home church, through being mentored by this great guy named Chad, being equipped for, it's another Chad, uh, being equipped for ministry, being empowered to do uh, the work of youth ministry. And we had an incredible time uh, for a number of years there. We were slightly heretical in that we called ourselves the Trinity. It was me, Chad, and Cameron. We, we were that close and felt like we were doing that good a work um, we uh, felt like this could go on forever, and Chad uh, just kept investing in me. And then I began to sense something going on. God saying, I've got a next step for you. I, I wondered what that could be. Um, I doubted uh, some of the things people were trying to say to me and, and began to enter in a season of discernment with a number of people. And it became pretty clear that God was calling me to Asbury Seminary. I didn't understand what my ministry calling looked like, but I knew I was called to this little town up the road. The pastors in my life who had been effective pastors had wandered through Wilmore. Uh, though I loved Duke basketball at that point, uh, not right now, but at that point, uh, I couldn't imagine myself going to Duke for seminary. Uh, so I began to discern and pray and decided I'm going to send in my application, see what happens. I applied, got in, I paid my deposits, and then decided I guess I ought to at least tour the town, right? Never been up there. Uh, I came up and it became really clear that Wilmore was the place God was calling me. I had made a plan, though, that I was going to take two years to get there. I was going to work, pay off some debts, I was going to kind of get my life ready, uh, and then get to Wilmore two years later. During this period of time, we had a fairly tumultuous time in our church, uh, my mentor Chad was run out of our church. Uh, a number of things happened that uh, kind of rocked my world. We brought in a new youth pastor. Uh, he was pretty green, so I got to do even more ministry. I had way more experience than he did. Um, but I began to question that call. Maybe I could stay here. Maybe I could do youth ministry. People uh, even helped me doubt it a little bit. When I went before the District Committee on Ordained Ministry, they said, uh, you know, do you like to speak in front of people? And I said, not a chance. Uh, at that point, I was playing guitar and leading the singing for our praise and worship team, and every Sunday I would get so nervous I would throw up in the bathroom before worship. Uh, they were a little surprised that somebody who did that would want to go into pastoral ministry. Um, the job I had been in that I didn't love... Uh, 
I, I left that when the economy turned and somebody from church hired me to do like the coolest job ever. I managed the non-technical patents and copyrights for East Carolina University. I got to take these crazy things that professors would dream up, help them secure the intellectual property and then bring them to market. And I made more money than someone that age had ever dreamed of. Uh, so I finally am making good money. I'm doing ministry where I know that I'm adding value and I'm wondering uh, if I'm this scared of speaking in, people, why, in front of people, why would I go to seminary? Um, this is really safe here. Uh, maybe God will actually just be really fine with me being a really good volunteer and making lots of money at the university. Um, so I began to kind of hedge my bets. Let me call my mentor, Chad. Uh, I think God's telling me that I shouldn't go to seminary. Well, you know, we've spent two years discerning this, and kind of overnight, you think God's telling you not to go? Um, went to my dad. I, I think maybe I'm not supposed to go to seminary. I can just be a good volunteer and do this. And my father, who was shocked that I was going to go to seminary, said, you spent two years discerning this, and now you've decided you're not going to go? And then I told my boss, I think I maybe, maybe I'm supposed to just stay here and work for you at the, at the university and just be a good volunteer. And she said, uh, if you do that, I'm going to fire you. Um, see, she'd spent two years investing in me because she knew uh, what God had planned for me. She put me in front of every group there was at the university. She put me in front of the board of trustees and in front of groups of students. She helped me become comfortable speaking. She helped me understand who I was. She helped me uh, really become Chad and uh, told me that, sure, I could stay, but I wasn't going to have a job with her. <laughs> Uh, that made the, the decision a little easier. Um, <laughs> and so I decided I'm, I'm going to do what God's asking. It's not that hard, right? I've already paid. I know Wilmore's beautiful. I've got uh, my friend Cameron had actually moved up ahead two months earlier. We're going to seminary together. So I got in my little Honda Element and drove up the road. Uh, I got here, and I was literally the first person to move in the dorm. They had about a four-day move-in period. And I thought surely everybody would move in the first moment they can. I was the only person in a four-story dorm for two days. <laughs> Talk about starting to doubt yourself. Uh, I was lonely. I was scared. I drove up to Nicholasville Road to try to find a bank. I thought at least that'll make me, I know where a bank is, I can get my hair cut. If you know anything about Nicholasville Road, the lanes change at certain times of the day. I was in the middle of that, and the lane changed, and I got all shook up. I pulled into that Best Buy on Nicholasville Road, all shook up to pieces, jumped a curb, got one edge kind of stuck and had to like shake the thing like I was back on the farm to get off. I thought, I have made a colossal mistake. Uh, I finally got back to the dorm, went to bed, and the next day Manuel Padilla showed up. This guy who is about as opposite of me, he might weigh 100 pounds soaking wet, he's about this tall, from Monterey, Mexico, and we were going to share a suite together. This man is a kindred spirit. Ended up being, uh, he and Cameron were my co-best men in my wedding. Best men in my wedding. Um, we immediately began to binge watch Netflix, study together, uh, and uh, literally be as if we were brothers. Uh, first night of New Student Orientation, I saw this girl across the room and thought, she's, she's intriguing. Um, finally worked up the nerve to ask her out for a date, but I chickened out at the last second and said it was to study. So we studied for that date, and then I finally got the nerve up to ask her on a real date uh, and walked back to my dorm and said, I'm going to marry that girl. 
Um, she made me wait till after our first year to get engaged. She said people would think things if I uh, proposed two, three months into seminary. I see some nods that that was, um, asked her to marry me. Uh, we had our kids here. We got plugged into the offerings community of First Church where God began to heal some of those things that I struggled with with the church. I got brought on as the executive pastor at First Church and have seen God do incredible things and now we're here. Um, I think God would have been perfectly fine if I had stayed in Greenville. I think God would not have been angry or wanted to smite me if I had stayed and worked in that university and been a really good volunteer. But I think he did have something better for me if I'd get in the car and go. Life has not been easy over the last 10 years since we moved here, uh, but it has been good. Uh, I think that's what the text is asking us today, to consider the move from good to better. Uh, Naaman, this Aramean commander, uh, seemingly has a pretty good life, right? He's uh, head of an army that's had great defeats over Israel. He's uh, got the ear of the king. He's got servants for his wife. Seemingly, things are pretty good. Leprosy doesn't seem to be a skin condition that ostracizes you in Aram like it does in Israel. He's still kind of running on with life. He's just got this thing that's a little bothersome, right? He's probably tried uh, all the cures of the day. Let's maybe do some sacrifices. Let's make some potions. And nothing's cured it, but he's got a pretty good life. But the Israelite girl says, I bet if you went to the prophet of Samaria, his God would heal you. So he goes to his king. His king sends a letter to the king of Israel. And uh, he freaks out because he thinks this is like a military ploy. I'm going to fail at this and they're going to come take me over. And this is when I finally collapse and have no dynasty. But Elisha says, don't worry. I've got this. Send them my way. So uh, Naaman gets in his caravan of people, brings seemingly servants with him, lots of gold, lots of silver, and changes of clothes. They head down the highway from Aram to Israel, get there, and go to Elijah's house. And what does Elisha do? He doesn't even come to the door. He sends the servant out of the door and says, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. Naaman is indignant. He doesn't even come out to see me and then he tells me to go dip myself in this piddly little river. The Jordan is not Shangri-La, everybody. If you've seen pictures, it's kind of like one of these eastern Kentucky swamps. I mean, it's, it, it isn't that magnificent. Go dip yourself in the Jordan. We got better things than this back in Aram. The text says that he was angry. And that, that emotion sure makes sense to me, right? I've been trying to use a little holy imagination and consider if he had another emotion, though. I wonder if he began to doubt. He'd gotten all excited about healing, and now this guy just wants me to go dip in the Jordan. These people back in Aram have been doing big, bold signs, and they haven't worked. Surely this isn't going to work. I'm going to look foolish again. I've done this thing, and I, I, I maybe had a glimmer of hope that this guy would heal it. I'm going to leave. And so he, the text says he loads up the team, heads out, and his servants are the ones that say, stop, stop, hold up. If he'd have said, go do this miraculous, marvelous-looking thing, you'd have done it, right? Go dip yourself in the Jordan. What, what's the worst that can happen? 
If you'd have done the big, why won't you try the small? So Naaman goes, dips himself in seven times and is healed. His response, run back to Elisha. Declare that Yahweh is the only God. Give me some of your soil that I can take it back with me so I cannot worship our gods, but I can worship Yahweh, the one true God. I'll give you anything from my stash you want. Any gold you want, any silver, any clothes, they're all yours. And Elisha simply says, go. So he goes on his way, and the text says that a few minutes later, the servant of Elisha decides that they've made a mistake. We can get some money. Let's get paid. So he hops down the road, goes after him, grabs some silver and some gold and some clothes, and he comes back pretty proud because he's loaded up the coffers. And Elisha is furious, strikes him with the leprosy that Naaman had. It's fascinating to me that Naaman the Aramean seemingly is blessed by Yahweh, the God of Israel, and this Israelite is struck with leprosy. It's fascinating to me that Naaman had a great life, did all the hard work seemingly, got to the cusp of the best, and was ready to leave. Go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times, and you'll be healed. Surely that can't be it. I'm going to go away. I'd done all the hard work to get ready for seminary. All I had to do was get in the car and go. Friends, I expect for many of you, there is a, a great life around you. Seemingly, things are going really well, right? I believe our God wants even better for all of us, whether it's healing or wholeness. Our God wants to bless us. Not in some kind of prosperity gospel way, like if you just do this prayer, you're going to have all kinds of money and stuff. That's not seemingly what God promises, but he promises that he wants to love us and bless us. But that we have to say, here I am, Lord, or we have to go and dip in the Jordan seven times, right? Or we have to get in our car and go to seminary. Or we have to forgive our father who was neglectful when we were a kid. Or we have to maybe give up on the rat race of everything going on around us. We, we do the hard work if God said, I want to bless you. Go and do this big giant thing. But when God says to us, go dip in the Jordan seven times. Go get in the car. Would we do it? I believe uh, that God wants to bless us exactly where we are. He wants to offer wholeness and healing to each one of us. The text bears it out from beginning to end that God journeys with his people and desires us to live as if we were in the garden. The prophets bring this message that what he truly desires is us to worship him and to care for others. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, I'm the bread of life. I'll show you how to actually love each other. And I'll show you a way to a better life. It doesn't always look uh, the way we think it will, Naaman still had plenty of things in his life. My life hasn't been super easy since, but it's been better. Where has God asked you to go dip in the river seven times? Where has he said, I want to give you something better? I want to take care of that thing that you've always wanted taken care of, but you've either been angry or afraid that God can't do it. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about 
pausing in the wilderness and hearing God's voice. Uh, I think for many of us, we, also, we don't know what river we need to go dip in because we haven't been still long enough to hear from God. Last week, the text asked us uh, what it would look like to journey with other people, people who we can see God work in and through, who can bear witness to God's goodness. Sometimes I wonder if we don't have those friends in our life that say, stop, go dip in the Jordan. You'd have done the big thing. The boss who would say, if you don't go, I'm going to fire you. What river do you need to dip into today? We're going to come to the table in a minute, and uh, it's a beautiful place to encounter God's grace. Literally, it becomes a source of healing, of wholeness, of restoration. The uh, stains of sin are washed clean, and we encounter the very one who put the healing in those waters. See, Naaman was worried about the waters, and he missed that it was the one who created the waters. Friends, I believe that God has something more for each one of us and for this church. And we simply have to say, here I am. We have to go dip ourselves in the river. Would you pray with me? Loving God, forgive us for the ways in which we miss your call to healing, your call to wholeness, your call to something better. Not... Uh, better as in the world, but better as in you. Forgive us for where we haven't stopped and listened to your voice. Forgive us for where we haven't listened to those who you try to speak through. And forgive us for not going to the river when you tell us that's what we need to do. For running away from the easy next step. Lord, show us where you would have us go. Show us the river we need to dip in, the door we need to open, the way in which you want us to go that you might bless us. Lord, we come to this table to encounter you, to hear your voice, and to be sent out as a people whole, healed, and blessed by you. Come, Lord Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.